Hello, welcome to Now Tell Us. Yes, we're going to hear stories because this is what Now Tell Us is about. And uh, we are happy that uh, we are having a guest with us who is going to tell us the stories. But before then, we'd like to remind you that uh, please share this with anybody who's out there. And uh, we are welcoming comments as we proceed and even after we've shared it on our website or on the other platforms, please comment, ask questions so that you uh, are with us and you keep this conversation going. And I won't take much more time because we are eager to hear some stories. I'm going to introduce our guest today to the show who is none other than Rich Elderton. Welcome. Hi, Anthony. Thanks for having me on. Delighted to be here. Yes, we are also delighted to have you on our show. And uh, we believe that you've got some uh, great stories for us. And uh, something that is going to be touching on dealing with a change. Now, it's not such an easy thing for many people to deal with change. So we are going to hear it right from you. But before we go into that, we'd like to know a bit about yourself. Where are you from? Where have you grown up? Something of that nature. Go ahead. Sure. Sure. Well, I'm I'm from actually where I'm talking to you from. I, I've come full circle. Um, I've come back to where I grew up, which is um, Cambridge, England. Um, so, yeah, I, I when I went off to university, I, I, I didn't come back here until about four years ago. And I've been on a bit of a world tour um, ever since I've I've had jobs that have taken me um, all over the world. Um, I spent uh, a few years living in Sweden. Uh, I spent nine years living in New Zealand. Came back about uh, four years ago, and and during that time, I've really kind of climbed the. I climbed the standard corporate ladder. I, I started off packing strepsils on the night shift in a factory in Nottingham, uh, and I ended up running a billion-dollar global supply chain. Um, and I ended up sitting on the board of a listed company and, and doing lots of other exciting things too. Uh, so it's um, it's been quite a journey. And when I talk to people about change, uh, I, I certainly think that um, my life has been filled with a reasonable amount of change itself. Mm. Yeah, I can understand that. Uh, taking from the fact that I have come from one country and gone into another country. Now, I come from Kenya, where we grow speaking our mother tongue, national language, you know, those are three languages, and English, that is. And then I move into a country where the basic language used is Greek, and you don't know anybody, and you've just got to adapt to that. So I understand when you say <laughs> that you've had to deal moving from one country to another country, that's quite a... Yeah, you, and you've 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 played it a little bit tougher than I have because, of course, wherever I go in the world, mo most people speak English, and and the Swedes, there's really no point in learning English in Sweden because they are all such good um, uh, speakers of, of English. And then, of course, to to New Zealand, uh, where it is the the first national language. Uh, not not everybody wishes it was, but but that 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 is the case. So yeah, you've you anybody who has to move country and learn a new language, I, I take my hat off to them. Mm. But what I want to guess is that uh, apart from the language, there are other things that you've got to adapt to. I mean, like the culture, the, it's different from uh, England to Sweden to any other country that you've been there. Am I wrong? 
No, absolutely not. One of the, the biggest things that I realized when I went to Sweden and something that was actually very good for me, although I didn't really feel like it at the time, was that the, the Swedes are very socialist in their thinking, in their politics, in their way of living, and they have a highly um, collaborative way of working, um, which sounds great, but it takes forever to my English culture mind to make a decision. Um, everybody needs to be consulted. And, and I'm, I was much more, you know, a kind of let's just get on and get this done kind of and, and we'll figure it out along the way. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and people can either get on the bus or get off it and, and let's go. Um, that was my thinking. But uh, so I found I found dealing with the Swedes in the beginning, it was like wading through treacle. But actually, the secret that they have, and which is why they've got so many large global corporate companies, they punch well above their weight for a country of only eight, nine million people, mm -hmm. is that once everybody's on board with that decision, the decision implementation happens much more quickly than it would, say, here in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, and and that, that was something that I really learned and valued. And mm -hmm. probably the biggest thing in New Zealand that I learned and appreciated was this kind of can-do attitude that they will always find a way. They're highly innovative because, you know, when you're that far from the rest of civilization, you have to be um, a self-starter kind of culture and mentality. And they, they, really, they really embrace that. And as a result, they've got some highly innovative companies um, coming out of uh, New Zealand now. Mm. No, it's good to know that. And uh, it's good to know some of the secrets of growing a multinational. Uh, we can learn it from there. So how challenging was it uh, be, uh, climbing the, the ladder of the corporate in the different areas that you've been to? Um, yeah, it was it was pretty challenging for me. Um, you need a certain level of diplomacy skills to make it in big business. And, and that's been my natural habitat for most of my life. Um, and I haven't always had the, the best di diplomacy skills. I'm much more interested in getting the job done. Um, and I, I definitely had a few edges rounded, rounded off me on, on my journey. But I think the thing that's made my life interesting, but also a little bit more difficult as well, is that I have moved around. So within the corporate structure, I have moved from manufacturing to purchasing to supply chain to sales and marketing. Um, I have done most, I've lived in most of the, the departments of, of an organization. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't worked in finance or, or human resources. But of course, when you make it to CEO, you end up dealing a lot with both of those, pro probably more than more than others. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it, the, the challenge has been, and the enjoyment has been reinventing myself uh, along the way. Mm. And I want to believe uh, it's also good, apart from the change that many people are afraid, because we don't know what is there tomorrow. It's also good to have the experiences despite the challenging change, challenges of uh, dealing with change. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm quite lucky. I feel lucky that I have seen change from a lot of angles. You know, I, I've been a, 
it, in the start of my career, I was really just a pawn in the game and, and I was subject to change programs, you know, be that a new IT system or an organization restructure. Um, and, and I was pretty powerless uh, in some of those situations, as many people are today. And then as I rose, I, you know, I became a project manager and a change manager and then a sponsor of change. Um, once I was holding budgets that needed to get stuff done. So I have seen change from a, an awful lot of angles, and that does give me um, a lot more empathy than I think I would otherwise have had. And some people think they're good at change when what they actually are is good at inflicting it on other people. Mm -hmm. um, it's quite different to be faced with change that you don't want um, and isn't going to be terribly helpful you to you, and then still to be able to respond to that in a positive way, which is really the heart and essence of adaptability. Mm. Mm, that's good. So now I would like us to know, so please tell us, what brought you back home? And are you there to stay? I am here to stay now. I've still got um, clients in, in New Zealand. Um, and I figure if I can, if I can look after them, uh, including some physical travel, uh, which I was doing uh, just before lockdown happened, uh, if I can look after them from here, then I can look after anybody from anywhere. So um, I don't need to move. I'm between Cambridge and London, um, two good, very good centres um, for for the kind of work that I do. Um, so there's there's lots of local opportunity, but also uh, the opportunity to go uh, further afield and and uh, as i kind of said at the beginning i'm i come back here uh, for for my roots this this is where my family is and i'm very lucky that both my parents are still here and and um, it's good to be just a mile down the road from them now rather than twelve thousand miles uh, mm. as it was when when we were in new zealand mm. yeah and it's always beautiful to be uh around our loved ones, our parents, our children, so when we have the opportunity, we take it. Now, there's thing, this thing that happened, uh, and it's good to be close, have that opportunity, but uh, it wasn't so for the last uh, two years. Coming back home and staying back home was not an opportunity. I mean, <laughs> although I've seen several people come out with some positive uh, stories from the pandemic, but uh, coming back home and, and being uh, around uh, people all the day that uh, we'll have to work from home every single day, morning and night, was a challenge to some people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it was. And, and of course, a lot of people have been through a lot of change um, that they never expected to. Uh, it was unwanted, unavoid unavoidable uh, change. So mm -hmm. one of the questions that I've been asked, really interesting question is, does this mean that we're all highly adaptable because we all somehow, well, m most of us, uh, some of us had obviously physical health problems. Um, some people uh, suffered some mental health issues um, through COVID. Um, and it's good that there's been a lot of high level discussion, highlighted discussion about that. Mm -hmm. But m most people, in my experience, seem to have kind of got through uh, COVID and we're all delighted that, you know, the, the worst seems to be over, uh, certainly here in the UK. 
So the question then I get gets put to me, does this mean, Rich, that we're all then adaptable? Because we all adapted. Um, and the answer to that is, unfortunately not. Um, because for me, there is a big difference between resilience and adaptability. And it isn't just semantics. This isn't just a, an academic exercise in use of the language. Mm -hmm. Um, resilience is defined as the ability to bounce back, to, to retake shape having been deformed. That, that's what it says in the, the dictionary. So resilience is what a palm tree does in a hurricane. It bends and we all bent um, and we all stayed indoors when we had to and we all complied as we had to. Well, some of us did. Um, and when when the change was over, the need for lockdown in this case, then we all just very willingly and quickly went back to the, the way that we were. And we were all delighted that suddenly we could, you know, for, for those people like me who wear glasses, we, we didn't have to wear a mask that fogged up your glasses every time. Mm -hmm. There's a big difference, though, between being resilient and being adaptable, because being resilient is being able to withstand adversity. It doesn't mean that you actually want to change. It means that you can just kind of cope and hold out until you can go back to the way things were. Mm -hmm. There's no permanent change in your situation necessarily. Mm -hmm. Whereas, so if, if resilience is defined as the ability to bounce back, then adaptability is all about having the ability to bounce higher. And by that, I mean, People who have an adaptable mind can see even negative change as the opportunity to make a positive difference. So those mm -hmm. people who have taken um, COVID-19 and, and all the lockdown that's happened and their businesses have thrived and they've been able to set up or they've set up an online presence that they never thought that they would have to, uh, the, the ability or drive to do. And their, their businesses or their lives are now in better shape than they were before COVID hit. Those, mm. those people to me are, are truly demonstrating adaptability. Oh, that's a good uh, viewpoint to see it from. And uh, before we go ahead, I would like us to move uh, slightly behind because we have a question from one of our viewers who is known sure. as that. Victoria Atieno, and this you could link this to uh, the story you are sharing about uh, you in business. What, what is, or, or in the corporate radar, what are the basic challenges in business when money is involved? That's what Victoria is asking. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. um, and th there's no more context to, to what, what Victoria means by that. I want to guess that she is relating on the issue of... Uh, uh, embracing change or dealing with change when there's money involved and the challenges i don't know That's the well only okay so i i can i can only guess here that that um when we're talking about when when you have to spend money in in order to to change is that is that right could could we just defer this for a minute and give victoria the opportunity to come back and just clarify that because uh, i i i could give any answer it's a pretty broad question, but it, I'd really like to, I'm delighted to, to get the audience engagement. I'd like to, to answer that prop question properly for Victoria, if I may. Okay, thank you. So over to you, Victoria, send us the uh, question in a 
better former or other and everyone out there who's watching us we thank you first and foremost we thank you for watching or for listening even those who get to listen to these ones uh, we are through on the podcast platforms or from our website nowtellus.com we really appreciate you taking your time and being with us and uh, before i mean uh, before you send us your question we'll proceed and the question i have for rich Adderton, as we talked about uh, going through the pandemic uh how was it specifically for you how was covid the, the, during the period rather oh well okay so i have i have my own personal story about covid because while the rest of the world only had covid to worry about um just about the same time that that we all went into lockdown at the beginning of 2020 i was given the news that um i had cancer um, and I actually had cancer in my tonsils. I mean, who even knew that was a thing, right? Um, so uh, the, this, was a, this was a massive shock to me. Um, I, I knew I'd had my tonsils out, of course, but I, I just thought they were removing my tonsils. I didn't realize that they'd taken them away to do a biopsy on them and, uh, and see what this lump was in the back of my throat. Um, you know, I'm, my parents are from are both medical people and it didn't occur to me that a lump might mean something bad. I was a bit, I wasn't the brightest chap. Um, so when I went into the doctor's office and there were three people waiting for me, I knew that something was wrong. Luckily I had the foresight to take my wife in with me, but it completely hit me like a freight train. Um, and I went into that whole fear response that we sometimes do when we're, when we see change as a threat to uh, our security. Um, and unfortunately, what happens when we go into um, fight or flight mode is that we really stop listening and we start acting without thinking. That's what our brain is designed to do. Um, because back in the day of the saber-toothed tiger, taking too long to think about what you might want to do next was the difference between life and lunch. So luckily, I did actually use um, one of the tools that, that I designed um, and put into the program that I use um, with individuals and with executive teams. And that, that tool is called Discovery. It says run not away from the source of the fear, but run towards the source of the fear. Very easy to understand, very difficult to do in practice because it's counterintuitive. But it was lucky that I did because... If I hadn't been in discovery mode, I might have missed the bit where the doctor said to me, actually, Rich, you've got a pretty mild form of cancer um, and it's got an 85% survival, uh, five-year survival rate. Um, and what I realized in that moment was that I had, I was at the very lucky end of the very unlucky spectrum and I really had only been given access as a junior part-time off-peak associate member of the big C club. Um, and that changed everything for me in that moment, because all of a sudden I went from thinking, oh my goodness, am, you know, am I going to die tomorrow? To, oh, this is, you know, with modern medicine, this is going to be a walk in the park. And, and, and that's what it turned out to be. And a few months later, uh, I was given the all clear. Um, but it was a stark reminder to me that even people like me who think, you know, 
we're pretty, I think, of course, I'm pretty good at adaptability because I'm hired as an expert um, to deal with it. But even, even when there is stuff, some stuff out there that you just cannot see coming, and adaptability isn't about being able to see the future. I can't do that any better than anybody else. It's about being able to deal with whatever comes. So there's me thinking, whoa, I've got through cancer. Life is good. And that's the way it was for about six weeks until I started running because I couldn't do team sports anymore because of COVID. That was all shut down. So I started running and I realized that the more I ran, the less I could run, which, which even at my age, that's odd. And I started feeling this kind of pain on my chest. And I thought, uh-oh, something's not right here. But it took a long time in COVID times, of course, to see a doctor. And I wasn't sure whether I had anything to worry about. So, of course, being a good human being, I defaulted to worrying about it. Um, and the only thing that kind of kept me sane was again one of these tools that that I teach and I know the theory of, but I'd never really used it too much on myself. And that is um, informal mindfulness, that whole living in the moment mentality, because anxiety is all about what might go wrong for you in the future when your mind starts spinning its wheels going nowhere fast. Um, you know, fear is all about what happens to you in a clear and present danger. Anxiety is about your thoughts about a negative future picture that you paint for yourself. And mindfulness, of course, is the opposite. Mindfulness is all about living in the moment. And of course, therefore, the more that you can live in the moment, the less anxious that it's possible to be. So I had weeks of having to every day think about what was going on in my life right here, right now, rather than worrying about bad news that I might be getting in the future. So that when I did eventually get the news and the news was as bad as it could have been, it wasn't just, Rich, you've got angina, uh, which is what we thought might be the case. Um, and we're, you know, you're a pretty young, fit man to be having angina, although I'm neither young and fit. Um, we, we, we just be able to put a couple of stents in. That's what the surgeon was expecting to be able to tell me. But on on an analysis and looking at the videos, he said, you've got too many blockages. We're going to have to do a triple bypass. What is angina? Um, sorry? What is angina? Angina is, is basically where the arteries around the heart are getting so clogged up that there's increased blood pressure um, and a lack of blood supply to the muscles of the heart. Um, so that can actually end up in, in being a, a heart attack. Mm. But it's kind of um, a, a, an early, early stage, early warning version uh, of, of a heart attack. Mm -hmm. So I was very lucky. I didn't get to that point at all. Um, I did have a triple bypass about this time last year. Um, my heart wasn't damaged. I'm all good to go. Um, and I'm in better health than I was before COVID struck. But um, it, both of those events were really, really close to home reminders to me that we all need to be on our toes. We all need to be highly adaptable because anything can happen at any time. And it probably will. <laughs> mm. 
that's a, that's a challenge. That's a, such an experience. And uh, we experienced many people during COVID who got to lose their loved ones. Maybe some close friends uh, may have gone. And uh, it's one story. It's one thing rather to hear a story from a friend or from a friend's friend. But it's another thing to uh, go through the experience yourself, like you went through such an experience. That, that, that's very well put, Anthony. It's exactly right. I, I, I'm privileged to hear lots of people's change stories in the work that I do. And some of them are in, inspiring because people have gone on to do great things. And some are inspiring because they've pulled themselves out of a big, deep hole. Um, but when it happens to you, yeah, it's, it's something else. Mm. Oh, okay. And, uh, as you've been going through now, you're back to your, okay, whatever you're doing from your house, I mean, your job, and uh, helping other people. How how did you, I mean, what exactly, in what ways do you help them, I mean, in the subject that we are dealing with? Yeah, okay. So the main thrust of my work is is in was it within the business community. So I, I tend to help executive teams. I tend to work from the top down because what we're talking about here is behavioral change. Um, what I do is different from traditional change management, which um, some of your listeners may, may be familiar with, which is a way of helping people get through projects. So if you're doing a new IT implementation, for example, you'll have a project manager who will run all of the hard stuff there, the, the deliverables, the milestones, and, and, and looking after the budget. And then there'll be a change manager who will be looking after the soft side, the people side, um, giving them all the communications that they need, doing an impact analysis, uh, that kind of stuff, to help them get from A to B. The trouble is that none of that necessarily makes people more uh, adaptable. What it does is it changes what people do. It doesn't change their relationship with change. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if a project doesn't go well, people may hate change even more than they did at the beginning of the project. So I tend to work with executive teams, leaders. Um, I also do work with um, individuals and I do in individual um, exec uh, level coaching um, to help people um, become more adaptable using this roadmap that uh, I, I've created. Mm -hmm. So it, it, we define adaptability as a form of intelligence. It is something that can be learned. Lots mm -hmm. of people, lots of people, most people think that their level of adaptability is fixed in stone because they can't remember the last time that they became more adaptable or that the last time they loved change any more than, the, than they did. But the truth is, that like anything else in life, like maths or music or martial arts, adaptability is something that can be learned. And the definition of intelligence is the ability to acquire and apply knowledge. Um, so absolutely adaptability intelligence is, is the way that we should be thinking about learning this key life skill. You know, if we think and if we believe that the world is only going to become more volatile, uncertain, um, and ambiguous and complex, then adaptability is a skill that we all have to become better at. And the good news is that there is absolutely a way that we can do that. And we define 
adaptability intelligence on a scale, on a spectrum that ranges from the fear of change, which is what I had when I was diagnosed with cancer, mm -hmm. right through to the freedom to change, where we can see change, as I said, even negative change as the chance to make a positive difference. But more than that, it's a chance for us to explore the limits of what we are capable of doing. You cannot do that when you are sitting at home or you're sitting in your office doing exactly the same as you did yesterday. It's mm -hmm. not a test. It's not a challenge. You're not going to learn anything about yourself. The only time you're ever going to do that is when you embrace change. Mm -hmm. So you really have to ask yourself the question, why is it that I'm here? You know, it's a real existential question of what's the point of me being here? Am I going to sit it out until I can get my pension? Mm -hmm. um, trying to get away with doing just the same as I did yesterday, tomorrow, um, until I can retire? Mm -hmm. or, 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 is it, or is it that we're here to make a difference? And then more than that, to make all the difference that it's possible for us to make. And in so doing us growing ourselves as, as individuals. Mm. Um, that's that's the journey that I'm, I, I take people on. And, and although it seems like there's a massive difference between a mindset that is fearful of change and a mindset that sees it as an opportunity for freedom, then that journey is actually linked by a whole bunch of very simple, positive, logical steps that mm. will take you on that road towards mastering adaptability. Wonderful, wonderful, and thank you. Up to this point, I've got uh, two ways of dealing with the change, as you mentioned, that's running towards fear. And some of us may need the uh, coaching on that because it's not as easy as it's, I mean, sounds. And then uh, the second one is uh, mindfulness, which is uh, living in the moment. Uh, there are other ones other top other titles other topics other terms that we can apply to this are there other sorry i missed that yeah. in addition to running towards your fear in the way of dealing with the change or uh, living in the moment is there another thing added to that yeah so if we so okay so let's go right to the top of the pile if we go right to the top of um uh the the adaptability intelligence spectrum and talk about freedom what is what is it that we so you know i've given you two antidotes um, against the reasons that we resist change one of the reasons one of the, the stimulants uh, that boosts the reasons to love change um uh, within freedom is trust so what happens is and, and I'm delighted that there's so much talk these days about trust and how uh, important it's becoming recognized uh, as being, right? So what's happening, if, if when you resist change, you lock yourself inside your comfort zone, right? Mm -hmm. So what, what goes on in your mind is, um, I, I don't think I can, right? So I don't think I'll try. So what happens then is that I don't succeed which means that um, I've proven to myself that I should never have tried to start this in the first place because I didn't succeed. And you mm -hmm. get into that vicious circle of, um, I don't think I can, so I don't think I'll try it, so I definitely won't succeed, um, which means I, I prove to myself that I'm a failure, so I, I better not try anything new. 
that that vicious circle keeps us locked in our comfort zone mm -hmm. so obviously by definition stepping outside your comfort zone is ta-da uncomfortable and there's a couple of things you need in order to to take that first step and both of them are trust related one is you've got to trust in yourself you've got to trust in your ability you got to trust in your ability to be adaptable, in your ability to be resilient, in your ability to be agile, to be competent in your field, what, whatever it is. You've got to inspire in yourself some way because however many great speakers you listen to, ultimately it, it can only come with from within. Mm. right? And the other trust that you need to have is in those around you. Those around you, because what's going to happen is if you take that freedom that I think and I'm offering you, that that that, that change gives you mm -hmm. opportunities to explore the limits of your capabilities. Well, if you're going to go out there and grab opportunities that are beyond the organization's current reach and yours, then you're going to need to trust others that um, if you fail, let's say, and mm -hmm. if you're trying new stuff, the chances are you will. Um, you've got to trust that those people will have your back, that they'll haul you back mm -hmm. from that cliff edge that you were about to walk over, um, that they'll dust you off, pat you down, and they'll actually give you a round of applause for failing. Mm -hmm. Now, lots of people out there are talking about, you know, rewarding failure, but I actually don't see it a lot in organizations day to day. We still live largely in a society where all failure is perceived as bad and negative. And that mm. is absolutely not true. If you don't submit your monthly report on time, you know, that is not a failure that should be celebrated. But mm -hmm. if you are trying to do something innovative and new and create technology that hasn't yet been created and you fail, which you probably will, then you should be rewarded for that. And you need to have trust in the people around you that that's the environment that you're going to come out of your comfort zone into some kind of psychological safety zone mm -hmm. where you can take risks, but people will, will be looking after you and have your back. Mm. Okay. Um, at this point, there's a question I want to ask. Um, we've addressed uh, dealing with change, uh, change of failure and a change of uh, experiencing some negative effect around you and on you. Like the example of uh, uh, being uh, told that you're suffering from a certain disease. Uh, but I also have met people who have been having a challenge uh, with success. I mean, you have to deal, you get or come across an opportunity and you are not able to deal with that. That's a change also. Do you deal with that kind of uh, perspective also? It's, it's exactly the same. It's oh. exactly the same principles. Why is it that your brain is saying that this success, this potential for success, I've got this opportunity in front of me. It's going to make me a hero. It's going to let me fulfill my purpose. It's going to make me a million bucks, whatever it is but I'm not going to take it. And, and the reason that people don't take that is for exactly the same reasons, that they, 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 they see it as a threat. They see it as an opportunity to fail. There, there's a, 
a theory in psychology called loss aversion, which is that we are much more focused on losing things ra rather than we are focused on gaining them. So even if there's a 50-50 or, or even better odds of winning mm -hmm. than there is of losing, letting go of what we've already got, however good or bad or worse than the future it might be, we are animals of security and, and and we don't like to let go of what we've got. And that success can be interpreted by some people as every bit as much a threat as as an actual negative threat. Mm. And then this conversation, you know, we need to segue into um, things like imposter syndrome, where um, people don't believe that they are good enough to be doing what they should be doing and they're you know some of the world's most successful people who have got a huge long track record of success still consider themselves to be imposters that they shouldn't they shouldn't get all the rewards and adulation and praise uh, that they that they currently enjoy because they don't think they deserve it mm -hmm. um, and that 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 all stems back to self-confidence and maybe the anxiety that they think that they're going to be found out and that the whole thing will fail and again in their minds they're projecting this negative image mm -hmm. from what is a very successful present tense that it could all crumble about their ears and that's what they're worrying about mm. okay that's a good point there so at this point we have uh, victoria back and maybe some other people there and uh, Victoria has a big comment, or commented several things, but I'm going to focus on uh, point number three, where she's asked, I lost trust with people who failed me once in business. How will I trust again? And, and more challenging to her is that she's working from a distance. Yeah, it's look, it's really tough, isn't it? Trust is difficult to build and very easy to break. Um, and all I would say to you, Victoria, is that um, you have to find a way to trust yourself first. It, so I'm assuming that that's not the issue here. This is this is your question is about um, people who have who have failed you. You just have to have a belief and a faith in humanity that just because some people have let you down, that doesn't mean that everybody will let you down. If you're the kind of person that trusts in yourself and believes in yourself, and, and I would imagine if you're starting your own business, then then you have some of that belief that that, that makes you um, a, a very good self-starter, more than most people. So congratulations to you for getting this far. But, tr but trust is, is something that has to be developed. Um, but there are lots of people out there who are trustworthy and you just have to keep believing and looking for those people. Maybe, maybe give them more tests, take more time, uh, be a little bit slower to trust people and to open up to them, but be open to the idea of opening up to them um, because if you don't trust them, uh, it's a two-way street. So at some point you have to be a little bit vulnerable yourself uh, to let others in. Um, but but do that gradually. Mm. Thank you very much, uh, Rich, for that. And uh, to those who are coming right now, we are with Rich Elderton, and uh, we are dealing with change. 
and specifically adaptability, the topic of adaptability. So we thank you for joining us. And we are just about to end the program, but before then, uh, is there something that we may have left out that you'd like us to mention before the program is over? No, I, I really want to reiterate the point that adaptability is, to me, the reason I do this is because I think it is arguably the most important life skill that we can learn. Because if you have whatever other life skill you have, whether that's technical, whether it's a soft skill, a leadership skill, people skill, or you're the most brilliant engineer, if you can only deploy those skills in a steady state environment, and if when the seas get stormy, you go um, overboard, then you are not going to be any use to you or anybody around you. Adaptability unlocks your ability to use all your other skills in a world of change. And all of us now are living in a world of more and more change. And it's only going to get more and more. So the skill is only going to become more and more important. It is the only skill that you can learn, arguably, that is future-proofed against whatever happens next. And the final point I really want to make is to reiterate is that anybody, anybody can learn to become more adaptable if they so desire. It is not a gift that is given to you at birth that is baked into your DNA. It is absolutely something you can learn uh, as well as you can learn uh, your 10 times table. Mm, thank you once again very much for that. So to all out there, please know this, that change is gonna come. Now you don't have to do, <laughs> you don't have to make it. I mean, it's gonna find you, whichever way change is gonna happen, but how are you going to adapt to it? So your adaptability is gonna mean everything to you and to the world at large. So we thank you, all the viewers and um, uh, those who have been there. We have Mishka also who's here and says, this is great sharing this post. Thank you, Mishka. Thank go you, Mishka. It. Yeah, and everybody, and everybody out there, go share it. And uh, let's keep the conversation going in every possible way. And at this point, we are ending the program and we thank you. Thank you. Really thank you, Rich, for taking your time and uh, sharing with us this. Ah, it's been a, a pleasure. Thanks, Anthony, for having me on. Yes, and uh, we wish you all the best. We wish you success in what you're doing and uh, the big change you're making in the world by sharing with the people and helping people into adaptability. You are a great force in this uh, generation. Thank you. Thanks. And bye for now. <laughs>